640 Toronto presents Think Tank. The breaking stories you care about. Facts and opinions that get you through the day. Now, let's meet the guests. All right, it's Think Tank. Uh, happy to be here on a Thursday morning. We're starting to get some snow in the Toronto area. It's coming north towards the south. We're as south as it gets. Um, so when we go for a walk to the south, we're, we're getting wet, but we're seeing it in Maple right now, Richmond Hill. People are telling us it's snowing up there. Very uh, happy and honored to have two pretty bright dudes in for uh, Think Tank this morning. And we're going to kind of dive into what's happening in the Netherlands this morning uh, with regard to um, Israel, South Africa, and yes, the Palestinian cause. Howard Levitt's with us, uh, employment lawyer, and it's great to have you in. Radio veterans know you. You've, you're a fixture on the microphone. You know your way around it. It's great to have you in. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Dimitri Lascaris joins us as well, a Canadian lawyer and activist. What's your, uh, where'd you go to law school? I don't know these things. University of Toronto. Okay. How'd that go for you? It was intense, but it was a gratifying experience. And I started my legal career on Wall Street uh, and then eventually gravitated back to Canada. Mm. You guys, now we've got two lawyers and I wrote the LSAT once and I still have a nightmare three times a year that I'm not prepared. I wrote a decent LSAT. It was like an 83rd percentile. That's pretty good. But, thank you. But I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I studied it. My, my grade suffered as a result of my LSAT focus. You seem to have made the right decision. I don't <laughs> <laughs> ask many listeners and my boss on a regular basis and they're not sure I did. Um, so this has so many complexities to it. And I want to talk about, Dimitri, you were mentioning as well, you've kind of tuned in on um, on the present context of this uh, genocide case at the uh, International Court of Justice. Let me ask you first before, Howard, are we surprised this case is being heard at the present time? I often think even with, with criminal law sometimes where we hear about a crime and we're like, oh, well, we're not going to get resolution here. We're not even going to get debate about innocence or guilt here. This application from South Africa has moved pretty quickly. Like it's it, it's an evolving war in mm-hmm. Gaza and and in the Middle East right now. So why would this court take this case on right now with so many moving parts? Well, what's happening in Gaza, first of all, I I must uh, clarify, is uh, partly a war, but it's also a genocide. Uh, And it's important to understand, I I, I can see from the layperson's perspective that this seems rather hasty, but it's important to understand that what South Africa is requesting at this stage is not a final determination that Israel is in fact committing genocide. In Article 1 of the Genocide Convention of 1948, all states have an obligation to prevent genocide from happening. So they have to act before it's actually fully materialized and implemented. And South Africa is requesting something called provisional measures. And for purposes of gaining those measures, for example, stop bombing Gaza, allow humanitarian aid in, preserve evidence of potential war crimes and crimes against humanity. These are provisional measures they've requested amongst others. Mm -hmm. Under the jurisprudence of the court, in order to obtain those provisional measures, all they have to show is that it's plausible, plausible that Israel is committing uh, a genocide. Somewhere down the road, probably years, there will be a full determination on the merits, which I think will be subject to a reason, uh, beyond a reasonable uh, uh, standard, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt standard of proof. Right now, we're just trying to protect the civilian population of Gaza. So the standard is lower. Howard, you obviously have a, a different perspective on whether or not Israel is committing genocide right now. Many, many, some countries have waited. Canada is sitting kind of on the fence right now, which I know annoys almost everybody. But how do you view it? Well, it's ludicrous proposition to put it mildly it's really a blood libel i mean israel was attacked genocidally by a group that's committed itself in its charter and repeatedly to kill all jews and to kill all israelis that are jewish and they are doing what they can to defend themselves there's no army in the history of the world 
who has done as much to protect the civilian population, dropping, instead of dropping bombs, dropping millions of leaflets, making millions of telephone calls, saying, get out of this area, create deconfliction zones as Israel. But Hamas has embedded itself among the population. It's, that's accepted by everyone. And the rules of war allow you to go after the bad guys. And unfortunately, civilians are killed when they embed themselves among among them. I mean, look at Dresden, look at uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. No one accused Americans of genocide, maybe some did, but mm-hmm. certainly not the way Israel is. And they took no measures to protect the civilian populations during those just wars. Dimitri, when you look, what? how is Hamas complicit in, if this is indeed a genocide by that definition, and, and you decide mm-hmm. it, uh, we're, we're not going to agree on that in the next 20 minutes, but when we lay our cases out, how complicit is Hamas in genocide against its own people, the people that elected Hamas to govern mm. them 16 years ago. So Hamas, undoubtedly, to the extent it attacked not military personnel, which the Palestinians have a right to do as an occupied people, but innocent civilians, and it did do that, committed crimes, war crimes. Uh, and for that, it should be held fully accountable. But according to Israeli statistics, on October 7th, uh, the militants, the Palestinian militants who broke through the barrier killed 36 children, 36 children. Israel has killed over 12,000 children in three months. Now, I find it surprising that one would level a charge against, of genocide against Hamas, but say that the party that killed 319 times more children in three months, the charge of genocide against it is ludicrous. Really? So uh, Hamas should be held accountable, but no matter what Hamas did, there is nothing that justifies a genocide. There's nothing that justifies the mass slaughter of 12,000 children. And insofar as the suggestion that Israel has taken extraordinary measures to protect the civilians, I'm going to quote the defense minister, Yoav Gallant, who said publicly, addressing himself to the soldiers shortly before the offensive was launched on Gaza, that I'm lifting all restrictions on the army. I'm lifting all restrictions. Already, whatever restrictions there were in terms of dealing with Gaza were minimal. But whatever, he, he's openly declared this and said, the people there are human animals, and we're going to deprive them of food and water. One million of those people approximately are children. They're being deprived of food and water. There's famine breaking out everywhere, epidemics. So I don't know how anybody in good conscience could say that the charge is ludicrous. Well, I think those were awful comments and inflammatory comments. And I, I think in a under the clear light of day, I, I even think Benjamin Netanyahu, regardless of what any of the three of us think of him and where his place is in the future of, of, of governing Israel, I think he, he probably wishes some of his ministers had spoke less emotionally in those days after. That's safe to say, right? Not at all. Prime Minister Netanyahu himself said, we're going to turn Gaza into a deserted island. He said, he said, he quoted the biblical figure of Amalek, and in the Bible, uh, Am, uh, the, the, the Jewish people or their, their, their soldiers are directed to destroy the entire people, the Amalekites including women, children, even their farm animals. He did that twice. He, he, he invoked Amalek twice. And then soldiers, I saw this today in the ICJ hearing, there's a video of soldiers dancing inside Gaza with devastation in the background, and they're shouting, shouting the name of Amalek. Uh, so Prime Minister Netanyahu wishes that, that Defense Minister Galan didn't say what you acknowledge. I want to get Howard back in, but are you ever going to be able to control the actions of individual soldiers? We, no, we, uh, we see the U.S. go in after the war on terror. Terrible things happen at Abu Ghraib. Terrible things of exploitation mm-hmm. of potential innocents or potential criminals happen. It's hard to take the whole picture and say, I'm not going to play the bad apples card, but it's hard to say we got to judge Israel's response and their proportionality 
based on a couple cabinet minister comments and some guys dancing. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. There pa- fair. There's page after page of genocidal statements in South Africa's 84-page brief. There is the Minister of Heritage. There's the Minister of Finance. There's the President of Israel, Isaac Herzog, saying that everybody in Gaza is responsible for the crimes of Hamas. Everybody. He didn't even carve out children from his damnation. So this is right across people in the Knesset, people in the media. The, the level to which the Israeli establishment, the political elite, the media elite are being open about their genocidal attention, uh, intentions is astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing. These are not isolated incidents. This is at the highest level of the government, repeated statements. Mm. Even yesterday, the, the Minister of Finance, Smotrich, after Israel was confronted with a genocide charge, referred to the people of Gaza as two million Nazis. That means he includes in his definition of Nazi the children, the citizens. Okay, the all children. the citizens. Howard, let me let you in here. Well, it's uh, it's you know it's really a series of outrageous comments, one after another that we've just been hearing. Uh, there are a couple of right wing ministers that my friend keeps quoting broadly, and there have real no power in this in the system. And we'll look at what Israel's actually doing, which I just enumerated. There's no army in the history of the world that has taken as many precautions to protect civilian lives. That's what they're actually doing. Yes, the night of the raping and pillaging and throwing babies into ovens and beheading them, there were a lot of emotional comments made that night. I would have made the same comments that night. But the coolness of the next day, Israel's morality came out and they've conducted a extraordinarily moral war. By every standard, as you point out yourself, you can take a couple of extremists making extreme statements, but you don't have to. On the other side, the group that my friend's defending, they make... I'm not defending Hamas. I just condemned Hamas. You? Please oh, don't misrepresent well, what I said. That's a very serious misrepresentation, okay. sir, okay. to say well, that I'm defending Hamas. Well, How you're defending... You me condemn them? In a pretty mild way. Look, you attended a Al Quds rally supporting Hezbollah and uh, Iran with their flags being white. I know you really want to. I imagine that okay, you well, would let do me, that. Let's let talk move about on. Let me move on. Then there is no more moral war that's ever been committed in the history of the world than the one Israel is committing right now, and it is a war. Are there moments when the leadership? Let's start with you, Howard, and come back to Dimitri. The leadership of both figureheads advocating for the Palestinian cause. We're not talking about Hamas, obviously, because that does speak for itself, as you just note. And Israel's government, is it maddeningly frustrating, not just since October 7th, but prior to. We we obviously had flare-ups in 2021. The West Bank's been a massive problem with extremist Israeli settlers for a good chunk of time as well. Are there ever times when you just lay your head down on the pillow at night and you're like, I'm so angry at both sides of this particular conflict to not be able to find any common ground for peace? Well, I'm upset and very upset that there's been no common ground for peace. But have I ever thought that Israel has been doing the wrong thing? The answer is no. They've been extraordinarily restrained all along for, for years. And that's what's allowed the present situation to erupt the way it did. Is by being so the restraint created a situation that allowed October 7th to happen. They should have been much more vigilant about stopping the money flow into Hamas. They should have been much more vigilant about Qatar's action. They should have been much more vigilant about border security. Uh, have they been extreme? No, they haven't actually. A couple of ministers have been extreme, but that's what democracy is all about. You get democracy elects some people that are extremists, but the government as a whole, they've been moderate.
Let's slide just to you, Dimitri. Have the Palestinians been let down by leadership? Obviously, they elect Hamas. They're hoping for not what they got. They're hoping for something better than what they were able to get in terms of governance. Yeah. I, I, well, let's let's step back for a second because you mentioned the settlements, which I think is very important. The settlement enterprise was adjudged by a unanimous court of the International Court of Justice, unanimous including the U.S. judge, to be a violation of international law, including the Fourth Geneva Convention in 2004. Ever since then, Israel has thumbed its nose at that judgment, has continued to expand settlements. Hundreds of thousands of new settlers have been added. And what's really important historically to understand about this settlement enterprise, which is a war crime, a flagrant violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention, is that it started 20 years before the creation of Hamas. So there's no conceivable way that you could somehow pin the blame for the settlement enterprise, this flagrant violation of international law going on for more than 15 years on Hamas. Hamas doesn't even control the West Bank. This is the source of the violence and the fact, which we haven't mentioned yet, that Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Israeli human rights groups, B'Tselem, Yeshdin, the UN Special Rapporteur on the human rights situation in Palestine, plus many other international human rights experts, have adjudged Israel to be an apartheid state. In this, in this, we don't have, we don't even get a government that will acknowledge this fact. Our government is denying apartheid. I've been to the West Bank four times. Mm. I've toured it. I've interviewed personally dozens of Palestinians living under occupation. And, and I'm expressing here a legal opinion because it's a legal question. There's no doubt in my mind that Israel is an apartheid state. And that's the source of the violence. Okay. But again, coming back to the governance, I asked you about the Palestinians. Yes, their, governance. their government They've is, been done so wrong by some of their leaders and some of the decisions to try and find peace, to potentially find a two-state solution. We can make that case absolutely about the West Bank. Uh, and again, maybe we'd agree, maybe we wouldn't. But I'm talking about just their, their determination and their right to self-governance has been just so wrong by the decisions that they've made and the leaders that they've propped up. Who's they? I the mean, Palestinians, when they, no, no, when they the get pal- a dem- the pal- democratic election. The Palestinians. But when they get a democratic they, election. They, they did a poll. Well, they. We, and they've only had one we, in 16 all, years. We, we, may not, we may not like their choice, but if you believe in democracy, you respect their choice. Now, if you, if you, if you take the view that uh, the production of an extremist government by democratic decision making is something that entitles us to interfere in the internal affairs of a, of a people or a state, then why haven't we interfered? In the affairs of Israel, which has, by any rational measure, elected an extremist, violent, racist government. My friend more or less acknowledged that at least some people in the cabinet of Israel fit that bill. Yeah. So if we can say to the Palestinians, you don't get to have Hamas as a government, why can't we say to the Israelis, you don't get to have these right-wing fascist lunatics as your government? Okay, I got 10 minutes. They're not not their government, first of all. They're two ministers in a much broader cabinet. But if the if a company, if a country is responsible for the group they elect, and a mosque you admit are war criminals, and they are broadly elected and are still broadly supported by the Palestinians, both in the West Bank and Gaza, why aren't they responsible for the crimes they've committed? So you're suggesting that the one million children of Gaza are responsible for Hamas? I'm, is that your suggestion? I'm suggesting. I'm stating that. The people in Gaza who continue to support Hamas are responsible for them. So how does this excuse the mass murder of over 12,000 children? How does this how does, excuse the fact that over 10 because Palestinian they embed children themselves a day, within them, over 10 on average. You've got to blame Hamas for that. They take hostages and embed them among 10 the population. Over children a day are having That's how they. Pe- and that's many why of them are being killed. done without anesthetic. It's like of this saying savage that, attack. It's on like Gaza. saying that it's that 
America's morally responsible for Dresden in what they needed to do to defeat the Nazis because civilians were killed. It's unfortunate, but that's what war is. No, no, no. Hamas Dresden is saying they're going to continue attacking Israel time and time again until all the Jews are killed. What if Mexico is lobbing missiles in the civilian centers in Texas? You don't think America would just sit there calmly and do nothing in response they have to ultimately defend themselves and hamas probably has a sense as to the proportionality that's coming there is that yes but how does this it doesn't justify it. i'm one, not i'm not the, I'm the just children ex- are completely well, innocent. I got it. it's the kids yeah, no yeah. one is addressing I, my argument which is nothing can justify the killing of innocent civilians even if there is a proportion of the population the adult mm-hmm. population that supports hamas the entire population is being starved the entire population is being bombarded relentlessly. I wish so there was no justification for this. No matter what Hamas did, back, but the rules of war do allow the killing of civilians if there's a military, a legitimate military objective, which there certainly is here. And no, Israelis no, no, that's are, not true. That's not true. Um, there are limits. There's a limit of proportionality, for example. So you, they, the killing has to. Be that's why there's taken such. Such what? They put two 2,000-pound bunker bombs into Jabalia refugee camp to kill one Hamas leader. That, to you, is a... Is a, is a justified, legitimate use of force to kill one, one Hamas, Hamas leader? No, no. Actually, many Hamas were killed in that strike. No, 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 that's not what the Israeli government said. They said, we were targeting one Hamas official, and we dropped two 2,000-pound bunker bombs on, the, on a refugee camp. How could that possibly be in accordance everyone with the laws of war? to leave the refugee camp, let's, let's start with that. After asking him to leave repeatedly for seven Let me days. Move this. Let me move this to where, where the streets of Toronto are right now and localize this. By the way, we've got Dimitri Lascaris and Howard Levitt with us in studio on Think Tank on 640 Toronto. Dimitri, these protests on the streets of Toronto, um, in malls, you've seen some of the footage of it. Um, you've seen the blocking of highway entrances. We're in Jewish neighborhoods also right now. We're not outside the Israeli you know, embassy every morning uh, in downtown mm-hmm. Toronto. If they were meant to be one thing early on, the first weekends after October 7th, would you agree they've morphed into something that's a little more menacing and it's a little bit difficult to get messages through and win support when, you know, people are out on a skating rink and are getting screamed at or businesses with, you know, part-time university kids People are screaming boycott and banging sticks against the doors of and the windows of the I feel like they've morphed into something that isn't helping a pro-Palestinian cause. What do you think? I'm going to give you my opinion based on what I've seen. Mm. I have participated in, on average, two protests a week since October 7th in defense of the Palestinian people. Mm. It was clear very early on that there was genocidal intention. Uh, And I have participated in these protests in four different cities, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto and London. I was a keynote speaker on Parliament Hill at a speech in Montreal. I spoke in London, Toronto, and all I have seen amongst the tens of thousands of people that I protested with is beautiful, calm, peaceful people of conscience standing up for an oppressed, brutalized population in occupied Palestine. That's what I've seen. Now, when you're talking about what is by now almost certainly hundreds of protests across the country, Okay, involving hundreds of thousands of people, if not well over a million. Uh, when you add up all the people who at one point or another have taken part in a pro-Palestinian There's protest. There's a lot of repeat protesters. Yeah. You just said, like, you're Pro- doing two yes, a week. Yes, but there's also a lot of people who can only come to one or two. I gotcha, yeah. Okay, so whatever it is, it's a lot of people we're okay. talking about, right? If you can find, you can pick a, a few people in that crowd who do or say things that are offensive, it would be shocking to me if you didn't find people like that in such a large crowd. What I'm interested in is what are the masses of people 
generally speaking, most of these people who are coming out, how are they conducting themselves? They're acting in a perfectly lawful and peaceful manner, and they are motivated by conscience, and they come from across the four corners of Canadian society, Jewish brothers and sisters, Muslim brothers and sisters, Hindu brothers and sisters, indigenous people, black people, people of European origin like myself. That's what I see. If there have been isolated instances of people behaving in an offensive or threatening manner, and I'm not aware of any serious violence that occurred at any of these protests, then those people should be held accountable for their behavior. Okay. They don't represent the vast majority of us. Howard, how do you view some of the footage we've seen? It's, uh, it's like hearing insanity, what, I, what I'm hearing. Every single one of them has been hate-filled. Every single one of them has chanted from the river to the sea, which means kill all the Jews between the river and the sea, the Mediterranean River and the, Jor the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. They, they've targeted Jewish areas filled with Holocaust survivors, filled with people who are vulnerable right now or are subject to vicious anti-Semitic attacks, bombings of synagogues, blasting of um, free Palestine over with bomb threats over buildings that are Jewish-owned, Grice Bagels yesterday, international delicatessen the day before that, and marches. Where are they? Not generally in public areas, but in Jewish areas like the uh, overpass at the Allen, at the um, 401. 401 and Avenue Road and, Thank and you. Wilson yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, why does that accept vicious anti-Semitism? And the chants are all viciously anti-Semitic. So what about that? So you mentioned Greif's Bagels. Uh, the owner of the institution of the bagel shop told the press, Global News, yesterday, that there's no evidence that this is motivated by anti-Semitism. The police Sorry, told, who's that? Who is that? The owner of Greif's What's Bagels. What's his name? I don't know. I just read uh, the his owner. His name is, is David Granovsky. Yeah, I'm telling he you what was... It. Sir, I, I just, I'm confident he man, did I not say you. anything to that I, effect. I didn't interrupt you. I checked yesterday, or this morning, two hours ago, uh, there was a tweet from a Global News reporter. I think her, her, her name is Catherine. The name fully escapes me. She showed a statement. She said, Global News has been told by the owner of the bagel, this bagel shop that it was not motivated. There's no evidence it was motivated by anti-Semitism. And the police told the Toronto Star the same thing. And here you are repeating that this is some, some kind of example of anti There's no evidence. Of course it is. There's no evidence. Now, I just want to just one thing. Jewish bagel. Uh, what about the guy who owns go check the United Jewish... Who's, go sorry, I, go, I, I'm just telling you what I read United in the Toronto Jewish Star, appeal. sir. The I just told you what I read share, in the Toronto Star. The, well, then, uh, I don't know what craziness that is. The, right, the fundraising Angle chair of United J.S. Appeal owns United Bagels. Okay, can I just address one other item? Bagels, and you think there's no it's very link important. between what's going on right now uh, and we, bombing we're not and I got a break for news. If you guys can both stay another extra five or six minutes. Sure. We've got uh, Howard Levitt, employment lawyer in studio with us. Dimitri Lascaris, Canadian lawyer and activist in studios. We were talking about where things are on uh, the streets, and I want to talk uh, about the responsibility of politicians and the responsibility of the police, Howard. So let's go there. And it's it's, it's a layer, sure. obviously, to what we were talking about before we broke there. Where have you been most disappointed here? The response from politicians on the whole or the response from law enforcement? Dimitri laid it out. And again, something I think all three of us can agree on. If there's something illegal happening, let's make arrests. If there's bad actors out there, let's isolate them. And if people still want that democratic right to protest, something not any of us would want to take away, Let's make sure we separate the good from the bad. Politicians and police, have you been have you been disappointed with them? I well, disappointment means a certain degree of expectation. I have no expectation of Olivia Chow. So therefore I'm not disappointed in her in the lack of action she's taken, the position she's taken. Um, I do like what Ford has been saying. 
I'm disappointed with what Trudeau's been saying, but not entirely surprised. But I'm most disappointed with what the police haven't done so far. The demonstrators threatened to kill people, kill people, deep six, putting a six feet under and the police just stand there and do nothing, not breaking up these hate rallies. I'm very disappointed, but I'm hopeful that Chief Demkew is going to, because he's just making, saying the right things now, is going to start doing the right things and start arresting people. Okay. Dimitri, we talked about this before the break as well. And I think, again, a cause, I don't think you'll ever win anybody over to your cause in 2023 with screaming at them at a bullhorn or banging sticks on windows of businesses. That's just how I am. I, I you, Do you see well, it differently? I, I, I think that people need to comply with the law. And peaceful protest is the best way to go by all means. And we should try to uh, cause minimal inconvenience to our fellow citizens. But at the end of the day, there's a genocide happening, for God's sakes. And people are getting angry because our government's actually... Yesterday, we had our prime minister. You asked me if I'm disappointed. We have our prime minister who uh, said that Canada, his government, has unwavering support for an apartheid state. That's what he said, that is in the process of committing genocide. So people are getting very upset, but they should remain calm. But we need to understand why there's this emotion. It's understandable that there's emotion, but people have to keep it in check. And there's just one thing I want to say because yeah. Howard has now said it twice. He keeps using it as an example, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free is a call to kill Jewish people. I mean, this is utter bollocks. It's utter bollocks. It, it has an unspoken assumption in it, which is the only way for the Palestinian to people to be free is for historic Palestine to be ethnically cleansed of Jewish people. But that's just not true. What would make Palestinians free is that within historic Palestine, everybody have equal rights, guaranteed under the law. That's what would make them free, Jewish people and Palestinian people living together. And we say this, that's all we mean. But wouldn't you say there's two groups of people? There's people that define it as you just did, and there's people that know what it means to Jewish people. It's, it's, it's like... No, it not, does, but that's not true. Because there no, no, are people, no. There, there are people, those two type of people. I've no, talked to both those no, type of people. No, but you said though. Jewish people. There's a, there's a segment of the Jewish community that uses that phrase. They uses that phrase. Howard's saying that those people are calling for the wiping out of the Jewish people. I have been at dozens of pro-Palestinian protests where brothers and sisters from the Jewish community were chanting from the sea, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. You have three so or four useful you're idiots. Entitled, you're entitled to have your opinions about <laughs> that phrase. And you can't, if you don't like it, don't use it. But to attribute to us a genocidal intention when we have no such thing in our minds or hearts is completely unjust. But there are it countries, ba- there are countries banning the chant yes, right Australia, now. Say it. Australia is banning ban the chant. It's in, t- it's in tell- Hamas charter. I can, I can speak for you, as, uh, for myself, as to what's in my mind and heart, and all I'm calling for is for everybody well, to be treated with equal Hamas rights. Hamas says openly that's what they want. No, it's not. And they that's say, not true. They say it's in say their that. charter. No, it's not. They say it. They it's say they will keep coming back and killing more Jews. They've announced it. Show me the charter. I've read the charter. Show me where Show me where it says You know it's perceived by Jewish people. It's as a perceived by camp. the Moss itself. They say no, it. They I, say I they're going to continue these massacres. A segment of the Jewish you say, give us a chance. We'll be back way. again and again. This was it. just round one. They've said it. this is round one repeatedly since, and, and since round way, one. Let's, let's just, so how, let's, you're let's, denying okay, the undeniable. Let's be, straight up, let's be straight up honest here. If we started using uh, some other good, chant, let's start with that. If we, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, no, okay, I'm okay, being honest. Okay, I'm being okay, honest. You're not being br- honest. Give me a break. So let's suppose that we, just to accommodate people who you know are ardent supporters of the genocidal regime. Uh, we stop using that phrase. I guarantee you that whatever other phrase we come up with, they're going to attribute to us anti-Semitic. It may not have as much history to it. What, yeah, what's the, the yeah, negative the, history here? What's the negative history here? Did the Nazis use this phrase? No. They didn't use this phrase. I'm telling this you. This had nothing to do. There's no association with the Holocaust that was perpetrated on the, on the Jewish people by Europeans 
and that phrase, none whatsoever. But I'm going to make the case the majority of Jewish people find it to be a genocidal chant, and it I will don't, mean— I don't believe that the that's true. Like more than 50%? Because I'd, I'd say it's a lot and higher. By the, way, by the way, when you say, when you say Jewish people, what you're really talking about is supporters of Israel within the Jewish community. Okay. So the supporters of Israel, whether they be Jewish or anything else— don't get to dictate to us as defenders of a, of a persecuted, brutalized people what language we're going to use when the language is, if we were overtly calling for people to kill Jewish people, of course, they would be entirely justified in objecting, entirely justified. And we would, and the police would be justified in throwing us in jail, but that's not what the phrase says. So why should the supporters of Israel get to dictate to us what language we employ with goodness in our hearts, to defend these beleaguered people. Because the people ch- giving those chants say that's what it means. You know, that's no, the problem. you got to believe what people say. That's the that's problem. Everybody, true. the West is always saying, oh, evidence. they just say that. It's just it's meaningless when they call for killing of all Jews. Don't take it seriously. But, of course, they do say it, and they do mean it, and they, and they did it. And they say they'll keep doing it time and time again whenever given the opportunity to kill no all the Jews. And they did it. Zero evidence. Zero no evidence. Evidence, the raping saying. of the women, the and by the way, you mentioned, you mentioned the, the beheading of babies. Yes, you know what? The Israeli newspaper Haaretz debunked that claim. There was no beheading of babies. Okay, that's There's no beheading. We're of not going to come to a good, Israeli, a good agreement. There were atrocities committed, but you don't have to make atrocities up to justify the genocidal rampage in Gaza. Throwing babies okay, let's be, ovens, let's stick to the facts. Go on, those are the facts. No, Haaretz, Haaretz uh, an Israeli newspaper, debunked it. Go read the article. All right, we won't agree on it. Um, what? One Arab writer in Harats in one column early on, before there was better evidence, said there's no good evidence of it. Now there's lots of evidence of it. Dimitri, where do you hope we are 10 years from now? And I have conversations like this. I know they're not easy. I know they get people fired up and I know they're 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 real and they're emotional. But what I want is a world. I got two teenage boys. I want them when they're my age to not have this. I don't want it on the streets of Toronto. I don't want it on the airwaves. The last thing I want to do was talk about the Middle East an hour a day for the last 13 weeks. You can imagine. What gets us to a better place? Give me a minute, and then I want to give Howard a minute. So you got equal time here. And the apartheid apartheid system, bring it to an end as swiftly as possible. Allow humanitarian aid into Gaza. Sit down and talk to the Palestinian people in a serious manner about either A, giving them a sovereign viable state, or B, being incorporated into a larger state with our Jewish brothers and sisters in Israel, and everybody gets equal and rights. You, and you, you are one that says Israel has a right to exist, because some don't. Well, it has a, the apartheid system doesn't have a right to exist. So Israel, as it stands now, you would say no. The apartheid but, but, and, well, it, uh, and Israel that's more modified. I'm a truly democratic is what you're saying. A truly democratic Israel that respects the rights of all of its people, from the river to the sea, is what I support. And if you want to call that Israel, I have uh, no problem with that. Howard, what gets us to a better place? Well, well, first of all, Israel is the only democracy that within, I don't know, 700 miles in the whole Middle East right now, and they have democratic election, and they have radicals that get elected, uh, Arab radicals that get elected, and they have full rights within the Knesset. But in any event, what gets us to a better place when the Palestinians love their own children as much as they, more than they hate Jews? That's one of the first steps when they decide that killing Jews is no longer part of their mission, that'll get us to a good place. When they start build, using the money they get from international agencies and from Israel to build up the economy as they were supposed to have done when Israel entirely left Gaza, entirely lock, stock, and barrel and left lots of factories, et cetera, behind, all of which were dismantled subsequently by Hamas. When they start trying to make it a Paris on the, on the Mediterranean, another Dubai, and 
and stop using whatever money they had to shoot missiles into Israel, that will be a better place. When they leave Israel alone, that'll be a better place. What does Israel have to do? What responsibility do they bear in, in being different? If that happens, everything will be fine. There'll be peace immediately. Look, Israel hasn't started any of these conflicts with Gaza. Hamas has started has started and continued every single one. But I'd make the case that they've been increasingly disproportionate and sometimes in response. I don't think we could argue this is a heavily disproportionate response to October 7th, and Hamas knows it's going to be that way. Well, they they hoped for it yeah. in order to get people like Dimitri saying what Dimitri's oh. been saying. They <laughs> hoped for that that would happen, but they knew it had to happen because uh. Israel can't let Hamas do it again. They simply can't, and no country in the world could or would. So, no, I don't think it's a disproportionate response at all. Heavily proportionate is what I said, not disproportionate. Oh, I'm sorry. I mis- okay. misheard you. That's okay. Yes. Well, I'm not sure what heavily proportionate means, but I think it's a proportionate response. I think people thought— It's a heavy response, and it's a proportionate response. I, I think, Dimitri, I think people thought the response would be— Like, I went to bed October 7th thinking this is going to be hugely problematic. Now, whether I thought this was going to be something that goes on for two years— I, I almost wish the world community had similar almost, almost to the war on terror, conscripted other countries into sort of, and that whether that would modify things, I don't know. Yeah. But Israel decided to go it alone. Can I say well, five, was, five, five seconds before Dimitri? Five seconds before Dimitri responds. I want, I want to remind you of one thing. All these hate rallies that Dimitri says he's been attending started before Israel's response. The atrocities against the Jews on the 7th led to a bunch of anti-Jewish, anti-Israeli rallies before Israel responded. That's a pretty important point now. I'll let yeah, by, by, by a couple of days, but you're right. Okay. Dimitri. So I now I've been accused uh, you know, of being a, 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 somebody who's attended a hate rally. So let's, let's just, they're held, they're let's just I, I'm just going to respond to this and, and lay, it, lay it out there with complete canter, as I've been doing from the very beginning of this conversation. Uh, Everything that Israel is doing to the Palestinian people meets the classic definition of terrorism, which is targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure for a political objective. It's an apartheid state. It's committing genocide. So if you support Israel, sir, you are a supporter of hate. You are a supporter of racism. It ain't me. Let's be very clear about that. I reject categorically any suggestion that I've been participating in hate rallies or that I'm disseminating hate. That would be the people who support Israel. Okay? Let's be very clear about that. And in terms of the future, you know, we have to understand that just because something was predictable, you know, doesn't mean, mean, it, mean, it, mean it was right. It was predictable that Israel was going to commit atrocities based upon its lengthy history of committing atrocities. That doesn't make it right. None of this is right. It needs to stop and stop now. And we need to save those people before it's too late. If it stopped now... What would have occurred, or if it stopped then, or if it stopped now, what would occur is exactly what its enemies, Hamas, across the border, said would happen. There'd be continued attacks, vicious attacks on civilians. I appreciate you both coming in and being honest and being and your candor and giving your perspective on it. Thanks for having us. And I hope we come to it. All that's meant to do is come to a better place. Dimitri Lascaris uh, joining us along with Howard Levin.